Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, into the Big Ten Show. I'm your host, Adam character and i'm joined by a special guest today but before i bring brandon on make sure you go and see what our friends at the jacobson seed company are all about they are your healthy hybrid advantage farmers thanks for watching the big 10 show but we can give you more than just great big 10 coverage we can help you with your fields as well go to jacobsonseed.com that's jacobsonseed.com the jacobson seed company your healthy hybrid advantage all right i am joined by michigan insider author of Wolverine Digest on Fan Nation and Sports Illustrated contributor, Mr. Brandon Brown. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, and I got. I must admit, I'm from farm country. The, the seed company, just to get us started, man, I love it. I, I feel like I'm sitting right at home right now. <laughs> it, it's awesome, and they're awesome people, and I went and you know did an appearance for them, a speaking gig oh, no. for them, and just get to get to meet them in person after chatting with them and getting to know them. Great people behind a great company. So, uh, dude, Michigan football. There's like nothing to. What in the world could we talk about? There's nothing going <laughs> on in Ann Arbor, Michigan. All right, let's talk about it though. The loss of Jim Harbaugh. How big a deal is this? How much is this going to matter? I've talked to some Michigan folks who didn't necessarily want him to go, but it's kind of one of those things where there was a lot of things surrounding him and they will no longer surround Michigan at least as much. So maybe it's not that bad. What are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jim Harbaugh has been a polarizing dude everywhere he's been. You know, he kind of wears mm -hmm. out his welcome at places, but he was at Michigan for nine years. So, I mean, he's yep. he's a really good coach. There's no – he just went 15-0, and 0, won the national title. So, obviously, he's, he's an elite coach. He's getting elite money to go back to the NFL. Like, that's all fine and dandy. I think it's – I think things are going to be difficult for it. You know, they ended up naming Sharon Moore, the, mm -hmm. the head coach who was the OC O-line coach for the last couple of years. It's going to be tricky for him. It's going to be difficult for him, but I think it was going to be difficult for Jim Harbaugh. If he came back mm -hmm. just because of all the other stuff. I mean, the expanded playoff makes things a little different, kind of changes the way regular season games feel a little bit. NIL has been a struggle at Michigan and it seems to be kind of popping up now more than, than ever. Um, the transfer portal has been a little difficult for Michigan. Other teams are just killing it, whereas Michigan's always had a little bit of a, a pause with admissions or whatever the case may be. That schedule next year is brutal, absolutely yep. brutal. Yep. And Michigan literally might put like 20 dudes in the NFL this year. So it was going to be a big struggle in 2024, no matter who was at the helm. But, you know. Sharon Moore's never been a head coach before, other than his, you know, four game interim stint yeah. uh during this past season. And he did win some really big games, there's no question. But it's it's a big deal. I mean, I'm not even like president of the Jim Harbaugh fan club. I'm really not. Like mm -hmm. I was ready to blast him to the moon in 2020. I I lost a lot of followers. I got a lot of heat. People thought I was some hater, but I just you know, after six years in 2020, I didn't think he was getting it done. Uh, but the last three years have been incredible he has he has hit home run higher after home run higher he has implemented the exact style that michigan needed to beat ohio state and to win the big 10 and obviously win a natty but it was going to be tricky for anybody but yeah it's it's a huge deal i mean it's it's you know whether you love him or hate him he wins everywhere he goes and that's he's proven that at at multiple stops i think you make a phenomenal point no matter who the head coach was next year let's say harbaugh state 
Mm-hmm. First of all, it's almost impossible not to take a step back because you just went 15-0 and won the yeah. national championship. So unless you do it again, it's technically a step back. But beyond that, and we chatted about this previously, you lose all your starting offensive linemen. You lose J.J. McCarthy, your starting quarterback. The brew-a-tall schedule. Holy <laughs> crap. I wrote it down, and I made some notes, and we can go through that in a minute if you like. Like, no matter who the head coach was, it was going to be challenging, mm-hmm. okay? Then you talk about Harbaugh leaving. All right, now, the strength coach, who he called his X-Factor, mm-hmm. all right, Ben Herbert has gone to the Chargers. Now, have they officially named a new strength coach yet? I know Justin Tress was going to be the guy, or that was the thought. Has he officially been named the guy yet? So, I mean, that was kind of the thing, the story that you, know, you bring up a good point, actually. I don't I don't know if we've gotten, like, an official release yeah. from the university, and they've been doing that along the way, you know, when – well, obviously, when Sharon got got the job, it was a big deal, and there was media and everything. They wouldn't do that for the strength coach, but I don't think the university has put out like an official release yet. And they typically do that when there's kind of a change at the top. And you mentioned Ben Herbert; he was named associate head coach. Like Jim Harbaugh raved about that guy. He 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 nominated him for the Broyles Award, even though he wasn't even technically eligible, which <laughs> that's just another funny Jim Harbaugh thing. He's like, oh, strength coaches can't get it. Well, I'm going to nominate him anyway. But then he made yep. him an associate head coach, and he was as big a part of the culture change and why players developed uh, as anybody on that staff. And it looked like he was going to stay, and then now he's leaving. And that that's a that's a major, major loss, too. So, yeah, it's uh, as far as I know, it is Justin Tress. But, I yeah, you're right. I don't think there's been an official release on that. So, Justin Tress, for those who may not know, he's the Wolverines Associate Director of Strength and Conditioning. We assume he's the next, next strength and conditioning coach mm-hmm. as well. And it's interesting because I think strength coaches get overlooked. Okay, Ben Herbert. I could make a strong argument. The strength coaches spend more time with players than the actual position coaches. Position coaches really get you sporadically during the winter, kind of, but spring ball and during the season. The strength coaches get you during spring ball, the season, and almost the rest of the year. There's some breaks in there after bowl games and uh, right before you go into summer conditioning and whatnot. But they spend as much or more time with players than anybody. And I've often wondered to myself, how can you, it's a different culture, uh, just generally in the world today and we don't have to go off in the weeds to that but how do you instill toughness and be in a physical team when it's just kind of a different culture in general and kids might react differently than they used to to that you start with the strength coach you start with being bigger faster stronger the mentality he instills in the weight room and then it's easier for the football coaches to do so now they got a new line coach as well all right grant newsom who's been the tight ends coach for the past couple of years so essentially we assume tress there is promotion within Moore is a promotion within. Grant Newsom is a promotion within. What are your thoughts on Newsom as the new O-line coach and all this promoting from within that Michigan's doing? Yeah, I think there's pros and cons. I mean, if you if you're Michigan loves this, they love the Michigan mm-hmm. man thing, and I think it, you know, sometimes it's limiting. You you've got this, you can't quite call it an endless pool at this point because of the time of the year. I mean, the carousel's been spinning for mm-hmm. a while now, and Michigan was still playing and. Jim Harbaugh was making his decision. So that, that doesn't help when you're trying to fill vacancies at this point, but I like all those guys. I mean, Grant Newsome, he's younger, but he played the position at a high level at Michigan. He had to unfortunately medically retire after a gruesome leg injury. Otherwise he'd probably be in, be in the NFL. I mean, he was a starter as a true freshman at left tackle, which doesn't happen at Michigan hardly ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He's a super bright dude. The The players love him. He, he handles himself really, really well. You'd never guess he was in his mid-20s if you talk to him. 
but that's probably a more comfortable fit for him. He was coaching tight ends. Mm-hmm. He never, he didn't play tight end, but he's a smart guy. He learned from Sharon and now he's kind of, he's kind of up. He's kind of the next Sharon. That's kind of what it feels like. Sharon Moore was the tight ends coach when Grant Newsom was a GA. Sharon moved up to O-line. Grant slid into tight end. Now Sharon's the head coach. Mm-hmm. He slides up to O. So it's kind of been like this natural progression. Um, I don't know that much about Justin Tress. I, I just, you know, we don't interact with the strength and conditioning coaches mm-hmm. very often uh, as members of the media. So I don't know that much about him. But again, learning from Herbert's not a bad way to go. And you get some continuity there and the players are familiar. But these guys were elite at what they did. I mean, Sharon Moore, you know, won the Joe Moore Award two years in a row. He's been the OC. Ben Herbert was, I think, the highest paid strength coach in the country. Or if not, he was right at the top. And Making again, like a million or more a year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very respected by Harbaugh. Obviously, he took him with him to the pros. So you're losing elite guys and hoping that these quote-unquote fill-ins can do a mm-hmm. good enough job to continue things because Michigan's been so good the last three years. But I, I've never loved, and it does feel like Michigan only looks within sometimes. I don't know if that's how it went so far, but it, the way these vacancies have been filled, it doesn't look like there was a national search or let's go find the absolute best guy Let's just stay, keep it in-house. We've got some good people, and hopefully they'll be good. But, yeah, I, I go back and forth on the in-house thing. I think there's there's certainly pros to it, but I think there are there are some cons as well. The feeling I get when I talk to Michigan folks right now, nobody's going to say, well, we expect to step back, but they kind of expect it, okay? But I don't get the feeling it's like an impatience, like, oh, man, if we aren't in that top four, if we don't win a Big Ten title, Moore's job is in trouble. I don't get that feeling at all kind of like maybe Ryan Day maybe had a little bit with Ohio State because a lot of people felt like he was born on third base. Right? That that program was really built back by Meyer and handed to Ryan Day, and all he had to do was just not screw it up in some people's minds. Whether that's fair or not, we can debate. You could argue a similar case for Sharon Moore. Now, we just talked about everything that's, that's different and more challenging for Michigan and how it would be harder for Harbaugh. But my question is this. What would be a successful season for Michigan next year? Do they have to beat Ohio State? Do they have to be in the top four? Do they just have to make the college football playoff? What in your mind is a successful season for Michigan fans in their minds next year? Man, after after three years, <laughs> I, after three yep. years in a row, the three year run that they've just had, it is a tough spot for it's like you said, if you don't if you don't go 15 and 0 and win mm-hmm. it all technically you're moving backwards and that's pretty unfair for a first yep. year head coach who's a young guy and he's dealing with all these things we talked about new coordinators multiple new position coaches tons of personnel change the schedule which is nuts it's it's just it's a very un unlikely scenario that it happens like you could probably bet every penny you've ever made in your entire life and be comfortable with it they're not going to go 15 and 0 and win the whole thing again they're just not like it's only happened what, four times in college football anyway. So you have to imagine some sort of a step back. So, oh man, if you know, Sharon's stepping into this position in his first year. He's got to go on the road uh, to play Ohio State this year. It's back in Columbus. They have absolutely reloaded when it comes to the transfer yep. portal. They've always recruited well. That's not really anything new. But they've, they've hit the transfer portal even harder this year, got some of the best players at their respective positions across the board. And Michigan hasn't really done that. Again, they were in kind of a weirder spot because they were still playing, and Jim Harbaugh was in limbo, so you weren't able to go out there and chase these portal guys. And now you've got all this turnover and personnel changes, and the roster looks completely different. I, Man, 
I don't even I hate the idea of putting a number on it, but I, I think if you if you fall short of like 10 games, people are going to be like, is this the guy? Is, is this, you know, after 15 and 0, now he can't even get to double digit wins. Like, who is this guy? And I, I love Sharon. I've known him since he was at CMU. So I, I just think he's in a really tough spot. Um, but I think if they don't win 10 games and you lose to Ohio State and you're not back in the Big Ten championship, people are going to already be thinking, oh, man, we miss Harbaugh. I just feel like that's that's how it's going to go, mm-hmm. and I think that's pretty unfair because I think that's probably the realistic outcome. So for me, I look at it similarly to you but slightly different. I look at it from a college football playoff perspective. To me, mm-hmm. if they, they're, they're going to have to be one of the top ten teams because there's 12 teams that get in. There's, there's six auto bids, so there's going to be two G5 teams to get in until we fix you know, how this thing is selected within the 12 teams and seated and all that. So you got to be in the top 10. So to me, I kind of think they got to get in the college football playoff as long as they do that, whether they win or lose, as long as they don't just get waxed in the first round if they were to lose then. I think in my mind that would be a successful year knowing what's going on, at least for me anyways. But we've referenced this schedule a couple of times. So I went ahead and wrote this bad boy down. You start right off with Fresno State, who, by the way, started 8-1 and one last year and in their first three games had two Power 5 wins over Purdue and Arizona State. So they're not just a gimme win. Okay, it's not a cupcake, no. Yeah, then you got Texas. That might be a little bit of a challenge. Arkansas State might be the easiest game that they have if mm. you want to look at it that way. Then you got USC, and I never know what to make of the freaking Trojans. Mm, yeah. Okay, I'll just say CFP potential without a doubt. Okay, and if they play any defense at all, probably. Who knows if they will. Then you got Minnesota. Okay, now the nice thing about those first five games, they're all in Ann Arbor. Th- that is at least helpful. Then you go to Seattle. Washington's not going to be the same team, probably not even close, but it's still on the road. Seattle's a tough place to play, and they did just finish number two in the country at Illinois. Then you got Michigan State, an in-state rivalry game, which is always going to be tough. Oregon, who just finished number six in the country, coming to Ann Arbor. Now, again, these first nine games, there's only two road games. So there's a lot of games played in Ann Arbor. Then you go to Bloomington to play Indiana. You got Northwestern. And then at Ohio State, all right, who, as we know, just finished 10th in the country. So that's eight home games, four road games. But even beyond that, four teams have finished in the top 10 this past year. And that doesn't include USC. That doesn't include rival Michigan State. The way I looked at it, it's like six brutal games. Okay. And then you've got Fresno State, which isn't a gimme. Then you've got Big Ten opponents outside of Arkansas State. I don't see, per se, an easy game on this entire schedule. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's exactly it. The, I mean, the only playoff team not on the schedule is Alabama. That's that's yeah. crazy. Like, I <laughs> yeah, mean, that yes. is crazy. Michael yep. Penix is gone. You know, I, I understand. They're, Washington with the coaching change. Jed Fish, though, he was at Michigan under Harbaugh. I thought if Harbaugh left, mm-hmm. give that dude a call. It was, yep. again, the timing wasn't there. He took the job at Washington when all those pieces started to fall, Nick Saban's retirement, et cetera. But he's an offensive guy. He's going to, you know, he's going to be bringing some, some athletes. They lose a lot too. Like you look at Washington's roster. Mm -hmm. That's not the team that Michigan just played in the national title game. Um, Mm -hmm. Texas is going to be damn good. I mean, they, they return their quarterback, which the other playoff teams do not. Um, It's so funny because this last year, everybody like so many Michigan fans just and everybody. The national narrative for ten mm-hmm. weeks was Michigan hasn't played anybody. That home schedule is a joke. They they, mm-hmm. they could have rolled out of bed without Jim Harbaugh up until November and been undefeated. Mm-hmm. 
that's not the case next year. There are there are challenges, you know, laced throughout the whole schedule. Like you said, even Fresno State, which mm-hmm. I don't know, was probably scheduled six years ago or something. Mm-hmm. They were a quality football team last year. Um, it should be a win, and Michigan will probably be favored by a decent amount, but got to show up and play that one. But then you name those other ones. You've got all the new teams in the Big Ten that Michigan will play, three of them, USC, Oregon, Washington. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, by the way, Texas, which just throw that on there for a non-conference game that was scheduled again probably six yeah. or eight years ago. It's yep. it's Not just brutal. This, it wasn't scheduled with this conference schedule in mind. Right. I'll tell you that right now. No way. Right. Exactly. So you've got, with Michigan, you've got three of the four playoff teams represented on that schedule. Yeah, it's and and you mentioned two Columbus um it, it's a it's brutal. I mean, I you know they're they're different, yes, because quarterbacks are gone, players are gone, some of the best players from those teams are moving on. But it's those are still opponents that Michigan has just never had to deal with before, with the new Big Ten and all that stuff, and and again the non-conference game with Texas. So incredibly challenging. Again, even if Jim Harbaugh were back and you weren't losing your entire offense and most of your most veteran players on defense, it would be a challenge. So I actually went through and I did a, a way too early, but for fun record prediction. And so after <laughs> right. the first five games, I actually had them going four and one. Now that, that USC game, I, I have no idea what to make of the Trojans mm. ever. They tend to be better early on than late in the season, which may or may not may not be good for Michigan fans. But I got them four and one. I was like, holy crap, that's a better start than I thought. Then after nine games, I actually had them seven and two. So the two losses that I have are Texas and Oregon up to this point. Mm. Okay, then in the final three games. Uh, I haven't beaten Indiana Northwestern. I had them losing on the road at Ohio State. Okay. And I was like, man, that seems awfully generous. So I've got them either at nine and three or if they lose to USC, eight and four. Now, my question for you what is your win loss record prediction and will it get them into the CFP 12 team playoff next year? So I, I think if you look at the schedule, so you've got, you've got Texas. I think there's it's a five game schedule. Every year you can kind of do this with Michigan. I mean, you mm-hmm. hope that they don't trip up and lose to a Minnesota or an Illinois on the road or whatever. But it, yeah. you got to play them, and that happens. I mean, Ohio State got you know pants by Purdue. It's like these things happen. Like it's rare, yep. but it does happen. But I think it's a five game schedule, and it's those teams we just talked about. It's Texas, it's Washington, Oregon, USC, Ohio State. That's it. It's those five yep. games. Michigan State's not ready to compete yet. I don't think first year head coach they're going to be breaking in a freshman quarterback mm-hmm. like i just it's a rivalry game and it will be in in east uh no it's back in ann arbor sorry about it's that in, Ar- just, in ann arbor yeah. yeah they beat him in east lansing really bad this past season so that's a home game they're not ready but those five games you you gotta win three of them and so that there's your you know there's your there's your record probably nine and three ten and two somewhere in there it does sound too generous maybe it is um, but if they if they do go say eight and four or even nine and three, if you look at where the teams finished this past season, that wouldn't be good enough to make it to the mm-hmm. playoff more than likely. So I'd say you got to get to ten and two. That's why that's that mark in my head. Just win ten games, you'll probably get in the playoff. That'll be another double digit season, double di- double digit win season. I don't know how you could you know be mad at your own more for that, even if it is a loss in Columbus and you know, one of these new big 10 teams. So if they lose three, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's good enough to get I, you. I have, you'd have to think eight to 10 power five teams will have two losses or less. And then you mentioned Southern group and five group of five guys. However, they figure that out. 
I don't know if nine and three gets you in the playoff, even with 12 teams. I don't know if it will. I'm curious about one thing because college football, and I'll never forget when I first got to the Rams, my D coordinator, Jim Hazlitt was like, oh, you're used to playing no name you and then followed by <laughs> never heard of you at college. And he's like, no, we're playing the Panthers and the Niners and the yeah. every week is, is a battle in the NFL. There's no weeks off because anybody can literally be anybody on any given Sunday. I look at this schedule and there are five teams that stand out, but I'm curious because college football players have never had to week in and week out show up every single week without, pers- I don't want to say let down games before, but I mentioned a lot of those games because there's a huge difference between playing three Arkansas states in your non-conference or teams like that and Fresno, Texas, Fresno, Texas, Arkansas State, because now you've got to be up week after week way more than you've ever been, or you get beat by a team that you are clearly better than because that just happens. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. The other thing, my other thought is SEC Big Ten. Their schedules are so much harder, okay, than the Big 12, the ACC. And so personally, if I'm a voter, if there's a 10-2 and Big 12 ACC team and a 9-3 and Big 10 SEC team, I'm putting the 9-3 and team in, and I'm not even thinking twice about it. So I think 9-3 and gets you in. Uh, I think if I'm a Big 12 ACC team, I got to be like 11 and 1. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm in trouble compared to Big 10 SEC teams with the at large college football playoff bids. What do you think? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like it, it does change things when all of a sudden you look at the Big 10, which was really good last year or good at the top. I mean, you can make a debate on the middle yep. and certainly not so great at the bottom. But now you put USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA in there. It's a, it's a completely different conference. All four of those teams are in the top third. Um, so that's probably fair. I was just trying to pull up the ranking. So after championship weekend last year, the, the highest ranked three loss team was LSU and they were 13. So they were on the outside looking in. So mm-hmm. yeah. Will that be a little different with the new conferences and the way things are laid out? And you, you certainly look at strength of schedule a little differently now. I've, I've always been curious how much they even care about. It seems like sometimes they do care about it. Sometimes they don't. You get credit for a close loss if it's against a good team more than a win. And I'm that. like, I what is that? By the way, doesn't a win mean more no matter what? Like anyway, yep. So you're you may be right. I, it's it's a lot of there's a lot of changes this year. Um, but just kind of generally, uh, you know, historically, there's enough teams that are undefeated or one or two losses. I I think it's tough for a three loss team to get in. But that's I guess that's one of the fun things about how this year is going to look. You've got 12 teams getting in now, and we don't know how it's going to work exactly. And the committee will inevitably piss off like half the country anyway. So we'll, uh, we'll let them figure it out. But yeah, last year, three losses wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been good enough. So it's going to be fun to watch how that plays out in 2024. I want to say it was three, four, maybe five years ago. I think Alabama lost to Georgia, either SEC title game or during the season or something. And the committee was like, that's an impressive loss. And I was like, wait, <laughs> yeah, the exactly. biggest reason you want to put them in is a loss? I don't understand that. And they ended up getting in, and I think they played again in the CFP playoff or whatever it was. And I think Alabama actually won that time. Or even like, I'm, not, I'm not a big Alabama fan, but yeah. And, and then they flip it the other way. Like Georgia was wire to wire, number one, all season. And they yep. lose one game, and it's they're out. It just, which way is it? I mean, because in my mind, that's a pretty impressive law. I hate that term, by the way, but you're right. That's what they yes. say, that kind of stuff. That's an impressive loss. Like, well, it's a loss. It really shouldn't. You shouldn't really get credit for it, but yep. sometimes you seem to, sometimes you don't. And yeah, so I, it's going to be fun to watch how that all plays out this year. 
I hate the inconsistency. Like <laughs> two plus yeah. two should equal four. No matter how badly you might want it to equal five, it still equals four. You can't yeah. justify how pretty you think number five is, if that analogy makes sense. The, yeah. But the one thing that kind of got me really thinking about this, we got about a minute left, was the recruiting rankings on early national national early signing day, which is really just signing day. It was like all Big Ten, all SEC, with the exception of two ACC teams, which was Miami, Florida State, who I guess is still an ACC team at the moment. No Big 12 teams. Hmm. So when you're sitting there with like eight or nine SEC teams with the recruiting, with the talent that they've just acquired versus Big 12 teams, not so much. And I know it's what happens on the field. I, I understand all that and I respect that. But I'm just like, man, I think the talent gap is going to be so huge and the level of competition is going to be so different. I think those teams for once are going to deserve getting the ridiculous benefit of the doubt and they're going to get it. Yeah, I mean... I didn't realize that. That's you. Yeah, that's a little bit of an eye opener for those t those other conferences. I mean, the, it's not th that surprising, frankly. I mean, the SEC's mm -hmm. kind of been recruiting like this for a while, with you know, Ohio State sprinkled in there. Michigan creeps up a little bit. Penn State sometimes, but it recruiting's kind of been like the battle of the SEC for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, teams like. Yeah, that's bad. That's a bad look for the Big 12, but there it's one of those <laughs> yeah. things where you look at that map, I mean outside of the state of Texas, which now Texas is not even in the Big 12 anymore, so mm -hmm. that's so weird to say, but yep. outside of the state of Texas, the Big 12 footprint doesn't have a lot of those high-end blue chip prospects that are in the south or out west. And again, there's a bunch in Texas, but now that's not even really that's not even really Big 12 anymore. So, yeah, that's uh Again, the shifting of these conferences, these mega conferences, you take you take whatever the Big 12 used to have as the power players and they're not there anymore. Mm -hmm. That's tough. And so, yeah, that there's yet another factor to the final 12. So it's yeah, it's going to be it's like a new it's like a new sport. Almost, almost has been mm -hmm. a new sport really for like the last three or four years with NIL. And then you've got transfer portal and now the conferences and the playoff. It's it's a wild west out there, man. I, I, I think it's going to eventually be the power two. Mm. with sec big 10 then the next two or however they want to phrase the acc big 12 and then everybody else yeah but to be clear texas oklahoma texas a&m are in the top 20 but they're in the sec they're not, they're not big 12 <laughs> anymore yeah exactly yeah. all right ladies and gentlemen i want to thank brandon for joining me thank you all as well we'll see you next time